by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in dark as hell, <laughs> still scenic, quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. Com. Hello, friends. Happy Thursday. This is Buck Rising here with you, as is the custom. What is not customary is the audio difficulties that we've had getting this podcast off the ground today. What has not changed is a great conversation that will still be had with Ramon Foster from 104.5 The Zone, our good friend. He joined me to discuss a variety of different topics, Titans, Browns, Cleveland, Uh, Coming to town, Pittsburgh and Rona Ravens on Wednesday afternoon football. A bunch of different stuff over the course of this afternoon's and now evening's show. And your Music City Mailbag questions top the whole thing off. Before we get to that, i got to tell you about the Built for the Holidays year-end clearance event that our friends at Two Rivers Ford are putting on right now. You go to the dealership in Mount Juliet or you go online at tworiversford.com, and you see all of the 2020 models that they are trying to close out and get off the lot. They're trying to make room for the 2021 arrivals, which, by the way, I saw on their Twitter handle, at Two Rivers Ford, that the Ford Broncos have officially started to come in. So they're trying to make room. That means for you that it's the best time to get an even better deal. The best part about all of that is you're saving money on top of money that you're already saving, when you shop at Two Rivers Ford, and you go and you work with a non-commissioned sales staff that will put no pressure on you as you look for your new or pre-owned vehicle. Check them out in Mount Juliet at the dealership or online at tworiversford.com. You know it's powered by Two Rivers Ford and driven by the people. Now, let's get to Ramon. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast on the GetFeast.com Zoom line. It is the big homie. It is the OG. It is Ramon Foster of J-Mart and Ramon, 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on 104.5 The Zone. What's good, Mm. big dog? Fuck, man, I'm just glad you feel like I'm a guy that you want on your show, okay? So, we're going to have a good time. You called me the big homie. That's what my close friends called me, man. So, guess what? Me and you just became a thing. Uh, listen, I we we've been a thing ever since you said ever since you said yes the first time to the podcast. I'm like he's in. It's too late now. It's all over. I'm with you, man. Let's roll with it. I like this. Let's go. No question. All right, we start in the obvious place. We got a lot to talk about. Not a lot of time to do it because Ramon's got television to do. He's got gospel channels to preach on. He's all <laughs> over the place. This man is a multimedia superstar. But, of course, his former team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 11-0 with a little Wednesday night football because, of course, in 2020, I don't even know where to start. I was disoriented. I turned on my television. There's Pittsburgh and Baltimore in what should have been on Thanksgiving night. What did you make of that entire debacle? Uh, it's, It's about as easy as I can lob it up for you. Man, that's exactly what it was, a debacle. I think the scheduling of it, them pushing the game back, using health concerns. No, 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 not physicality concerns in the sense of tendons, movement, this and that, as far as 
they wanted their two running backs and then not use Baltimore, use their two running backs. It's like, well, we could have did this on Tuesday night. What's, what are we wasting time for? Um, I think we saw a team in Pittsburgh that was mentally spent. I think we saw a team in Baltimore that was trying to just do as much as they could to get by. You knew they weren't going to throw the ball. They ran the ball a ton of times, and Pittsburgh didn't do a good job of adjusting, I thought, to that. And Pittsburgh also showed, whether it was mentally drained or not, I think they showed a sense of, like, the run game's got to be more important. And I know Coach Randy's the offensive coordinator, and, and I've been around coaches that kind of say the same thing, where those three-yard screens, those, those, those out routes to the corner where the wide receivers are blocking, those rocket routes, the runs. You know, you get four yards now in second and six. It's just like a run. I think in this time of the year, for a team like Pittsburgh, a team like like Baltimore also, the Titans, uh, Kansas City, the, the real contenders, uh, Buffalo, running the ball with your linemen has got to be something that's got to move to the front of the page. It sounds so old school, but if you got an opportunity to stop possessions, meaning controlling the game, which is what I felt like the reason Baltimore played so hard yesterday, they felt like, they were in the game still. And when you give a team like that an opportunity, you you end up winning by the little bit that they did yesterday when I thought, and I'm sure you thought, so it should have been a blowout. 1,000%, a completely decimated roster on oh. the other side. And you could tell Ben was salty, salty oh. in the post game after the fact because they he, know, he knew they didn't play well. Tomlin mm-hmm. knew they didn't play well. And I think they fully expected to go out there and put a whooping on the ball, Ravens given everything and even, that they've gone through. Even you, I saw your tweet too when you said he made this joke about well, it's time to go through our double header. Like there was a little bit of shade towards the league. Like why did y'all put us in this situation when this team, to me, and of course I trolled a little bit on Twitter uh, to the fans of like y'all are ducking us. I, in all respects, like you? No, this is a serious no. thing. You don't troll. You every once in a while, it's just <laughs> but it's Baltimore, and the thing that I got mad about for them. And it's been, uh, I guess, is why, why Denver had to play too. But was this. You guys were neglectful. You had a strength coach who's an extension of the training room, which is what they used to say, this is a healthcare facility, treated as such. And it's that way. And when a guy gets injured, they're working with the weight room and the training room. They work hand-in-hand with each other. And the fact that this guy, somebody in your staff, didn't alert the team, didn't follow protocols, and now you guys are out of 22 players, whatever the number may have been, that's a you guys problem. And it's going to be interesting to see what the penalties are towards Baltimore because that is a, that's something that they should have control as much as they could. Without question. Now, something you brought up earlier that I think we saw come to life in just the, lo- the long layoff, the – because what, what people under or disc, underestimate or discount with professional athletes is that you guys ramp up your training for yeah. certain times of the year. Your bodies are specifically tailored to be on a certain schedule that is routine and that mm-hmm. helps you operate at the highest possible level when you need to give it a go. And what we saw yesterday was RG3 on that turf <laughs> pulling up. We saw Bud Dupree yeah. tear his ACL. We saw injuries of that sort in a way that I'm just sitting there watching this thing. And listen, people are going to watch football. I'm sure it did a fine number. I'm sure the league got what it wanted because it's the big big network. It's Chris Collinsworth. It's Michelle Tafoya. It's it's Mike Tirico. They get the whole, all the bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. And yet for the players, 
people are completely underestimating that not only are we asking them to play through a pandemic yeah. for our entertainment purposes, but no, we're going to slough this thing off that was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving mm -hmm. night and put your bodies at further risk. How much of that were you talking about leading into this game, and how much how how much were you reaffirmed by how that went down yesterday? And and that's exactly what it is, Buck. You brought up something. You said guys are conditioned for certain things. That's also mentally and physically. Okay, like there's methods. I guarantee you walk up to Derrick Henry right now. What's your methods for the week? He's gonna say it verbatim, no matter what it is. Okay. No, but and he's gonna I, give us a six word answer because Derrick <laughs> hates. Okay. Well, well okay. Go, holler at one of the boys. Taylor or Omar Compton is gonna like tell you exactly what's yeah, going no, no. on. But it's it's in the sense that. You know, I'm guaranteeing you can sit outside his house and watch. Okay, he's going to the massage therapist this week. He's got this doctor coming to his house this week to stretch him out. He's going to the cryo chamber. Like, there's a system of working through those things that the slightest bit of a, 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 a like break in your schedule messes with you. That's with training. That's with, with the mental aspect of when the game is going to start. But I couldn't tell you how many times it was the same routine every single week. All right, after I do my walkthrough on the field before the game, Go in, sit down in the corner, grab a towel, stretch out, grab a, like I can tell you verbatim of everything that I'm doing. And I'll say this too is they're not factoring in the start-stop component of whether it's, you know, a team got to reschedule, a team got to, you know, do certain things because at the end of the day, it's just this. The show must go on. And the product that's out there, they don't care. They just want to see those 22 bodies on the field at a time and saying, hey, this is what we got to do. If we're not moving past this point uh, next year when the season kick off, which I hope and pray that we are, okay? I promise you. But uh, they're going to have to work some stuff out, whether that's uh, expanding the roster way bigger than we we'd expect, um, whether that's just finding gaps in the season to say, okay, well, they want to transition to a 20-game season anyway, but, like, have a 20-game, like, reworking where, okay, well, if – Pittsburgh and, and Baltimore had to miss the game this week. Well, guess what? We got a gap week in between. You know, so it's a couple things that got to go into it to where, man, this is uh, learning on the fly like everybody else. But you know like I know, but guess what? The show must go on. And uh, it sucks for the guys because guys are stuck in their ways and adjustments just mess you up a little bit. But uh, that's, that's just how it goes. Man, they shipped a whole NFL franchise into another state because the 49ers can't play at their own uh, at their own stadium. Ramon, I'm I'm watching this, and it's not just it's not it's less the NFL, although the NFL yeah. starting to go the same direction as college football. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm watching these college football rankings come out on Tuesday night, oh. and I I struggle with it. I talked about this on the Tuesday podcast. I talked about this on the streaming show. I just cannot get myself invested in this college football season, especially the rankings when it's the same teams and you're doing, yeah. you're doing brand name over everything else. But more importantly, because we went through this whole thing over the course that sports were laid off where people, fans, were accusing media members, particularly in college football, of actively rooting against the, the return of sports because of the things yeah. that they were saying about we need to be cautious. We need to pull back. And listen, there are people that are dramatic on both ends of the spectrum. I'm not yeah. excusing all media member just as I'm not chastising all fans. But Ramon, I'm watching this college football season 
and the NFL less so because my job's attached to it and I need it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I'm watch, yes. I'm watching this college football season, and I'm saying, I don't know how much I wish this would have happened. I don't know how yeah. I feel about it. And and maybe it's because Tennessee's two and eight, or you're gonna go two and eight, and I'm checked out. And I and listen, I had to do well, it. I had to I see I see the number 78 Nords over your shoulder. I had to do it to you. Yeah. Uh, RIP this weekend, because Dan Mullen's about to put it on your boys. I know. But that's yeah, larger point. Yeah. I'm yeah. having reservations about what I'm watching, and none of it matters because we're already in it. I know. And Buck, to your point, though, I was gonna make that same point about uh UT. Like if it was a watch buck. Guess what? That would have been all right with me. Hang it up on the clothesline and let's start next year. That's how I feel about my university. But as a whole, though, we talked about like we were starting off with top rankings on our radio show at the beginning of the season. And then it became like a little bit of a wash in a sense, like no disrespect to these schools at all. But in a regular schedule, do you think Coastal Carolina would be ranked? No. I mean, and now you got BYU checkmating somebody else and saying, okay, we're going to play Coastal Carolina this week to make up for a game. Like, there's a lot that's going on. And somebody asked me the question of, like, you know, if you were a high draft pick, because Tennessee has a few. Trey Smith is going to be one of those guys. K to be at least a second rounder, maybe, depending on, on draft status. Like, second, third rounder, something like that, if he chose to come out. And in the sense of the season being a wash, like, would you opt out? Is pride what keeping you in? Like now you're seeing teams that I think LSU had somebody else opt out last week because what am I doing here? What are we doing here? And and, and even talking about the college playoff, uh, college football playoffs in a sense, like do you want Cincinnati in there if they're undefeated? Like maybe they deserve it in a regular season to where they can go play and you can see them go grow and grow and grow. But like if Ohio State is 4-0, but I kind of want to see Ohio State over Cincinnati. I'm I don't care if Michigan you. Michigan's holding out on them so they can't get to six games. <laughs> Which, by the way, I love Kirk Herbstreit saying that out loud, even if he ran he it back. He said it. Exactly. He said what he said. And you know behind the scenes, he's like, yeah, I felt that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> but in the sense of like this season, it for college, the fact that they can't do a full 12, I think it's a bit of a wash in a sense, man. And if you were to tell me, look, that the NCAA board of directors decided, look, we're done. These four teams are college playoffs. We're going to play these four powerhouses. I'd be okay with that. Sign Just me up. It. Like, and, and, and they're, they're playing games right now through signing day. Like, that's how far this thing has been stretched out. And I, I see the worth in guys getting a chance to put their resume out there. And it would suck if I was still a player and you cut my season short in college because I, some people might need those extra games to put tape out there for the draft and, you know, combine. So with that being said, on the outside looking in, I don't think it would hurt to be like, you know what? Clip it. You, one, two, three, four. Let's come to Indy. Let's go to Arizona. Let's knock this thing out. I feel like that would be the best case right now. I just I, I I look at the college football playoff rankings and I see you know I see nine and zero I see eight and one I see four yes. and zero Ohio State because the Big Ten got talked out of football, bullied back into football, and is probably thinking now, man, I wish we didn't play football this year. Yeah, exactly. The conference of my youth, the conference of my birth, the Indiana Hoosiers, the Indiana football Hoosiers remote, even though Michael yeah. Penix lost for the year. I know. Hard. Yeah. But all but of 
all of it, it's, it's just so deformed and so mutated in yeah. a way where, like, we always knew it was about the money. All it was. In all of these sports. It's about the money. It's not about the fans. It's not about the athletes. Nope. It's not about the economy. Well, it is about the economies that, cre that they create. Yeah. But, like, never before has the greed been laid so bare in front of me to yeah. where I'm just like, man. Yeah. Get the hell off this! Get the hell off this screen with Coastal Carolina in the top twenty-five. Who you telling? Out of here! That's what I'm saying. Even so, too, Buck. I gotta ask you this: Are you willing to watch a bowl game right now? Hell no! <laughs> I watched a bowl game at two thirty in the afternoon between the Steelers and the Ravens yesterday. You feel me, Ramon? But I know, man. That's what that's what we're getting right now. So I'm not trying to say break the wrist and walk away, but dude. Hey, I've seen better. I've seen better. <laughs> we we all seen better at this yeah. point. Maybe we will see better. Uh, although I don't know, this offensive line for the Tennessee Titans—it's called a transition—played uh, yeah. pretty well <laughs> on Sunday against the yeah. Indianapolis Colts. I know that had to get you going, given it that did. that is your position. Uh, you know that those rooms better than anybody mm -hmm. else that we got gas bagging in front of microphones right now. I watched that game from the press box Indianapolis, and I won't lie to you, every time I go to Indy, it's a little bit like a college reunion, and of course, safely and socially distanced on the back patio yeah. of, a, of a college friend's apartment. I got a little, I got into the Don Julio. Every <laughs> time, every time this happens when we go to Indy, because I went to Indiana, and all my friends there. Yeah. So from a safe distance, I got a little drunk. And then I came in, I come into that press box every year, year after year after year. And it is literally at the very top of the stadium. And it gives me such incredible nausea. And I do this to myself every time, Ramon. Yeah. The thing that served as the ibuprofen to my hangover was the holes that Derrick Henry was running through. Yeah. The best part of that press box is you're literally sitting almost on top mm -hmm. of the play and seeing the game from an angle that maybe we don't get in the press box in Baltimore when we're field level or when we're in here at mm -hmm. Nissan Stadium. And to see David Questenberry, and not and David Questenberry, story of the game, first start yeah. in seven years, fantastic. Deservingly so. Deservingly so. Yeah, yeah. But from a football perspective, Roger Saffold, Ben mm -hmm. Jones, Nate Davis, the three interior guys, absolutely kicking the shit out of the Indianapolis Colts yeah. in a way that I don't know why it surprised me, but I've not seen a dominant performance like that all year long. Is it repeatable against a team like the Browns? I'll say this. It was surprising to you because of what happened in Nissan Stadium. Yes. And, and I'll say this. Also, no Taylor one. And by the way, by us bigging these guys up this offensive line, there's no slight against a little one in the sense of like they can do it without you. No, no, no. You you want to be out there. Everybody see your value also in other ways while being on the field. But seeing Buck, you say you're watching them. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a little illustration. What I was seeing on, on TV when they played was this. Yeah. That was that O-line moving that D-line. We give all the credit to Derek Heron because he is a stud. If you're ranking top running backs, he's numero uno to me. Yeah. Him and Dalvin Cook, one and one. Like, I don't want to hear one and one, eight, no, no, no. But if I'm picking one, I'm picking Derrick Henry for the simple fact that he can go downhill, he can move them. But Sunday, those guys up front moved them. And I, I, I know Cleveland because I played them two times a year for 11 years. And I'll say this, 
they will, they will for sure try to attack that. They're going to sell out on it. But the thing that Tennessee has proven that it can do time and time again, the Tennessee Titans do time and time again, is look, we don't care if you stop us. Continue to stop us. Derrick Henry grabs the ball, he go for three. He'll fall down for four. And guess what's going to happen in that second half? They're going to continue to pile it on, pile it on. They're patient enough. Derrick Henry's built right for the job to continue to move the line. So there's going to be a war of attrition early on in this game just because, why? Everybody's going to stack the box again against the Titans. They have Derrick Henry. The play action on the other side of this with, with Tannehill, A.J., now, when you start using people's uh, uh, first two letters of their name, that's when you know you're becoming a household name. You're out here calling him LeBron? You're out here calling him Zion? What are you doing? All, listen, all <laughs> I'm telling you is this. You know, when I say DK, you know who I'm talking about. Yep. When I say LBJ, you know who I'm talking about. When yep. I say OBJ, MJ, you know who I'm talking about. Yep. AJ is becoming that guy. So you got to pick your poison. Sell out the same way Indy did and let Tannehill run in for a touchdown. Or you try to fight the war of attrition and lose at the end of the game because that's one thing I respect about Arthur Smith and his entire coaching staff, for that matter. The guys up front, because it's so easy, Buck, to get discouraged when you get two. Or you're running your head up against the wall against eight guys in the box, nine guys in the box. You know what they say? My patience is going to beat you because you're going to get outside of yourself. And if you continue to keep eight guys in a box, nine guys in a box, I got AJ. And that part of saying, can they do it again, Buck? Yeah. I've seen it time and time again, and so has everybody else. Am I wrong to think that Baker Mayfield's not that good? You're not wrong. I don't think he's that good. He's a guy that's fallen into a lot of talent. And it's not just because I hate his commercials. I just watch him play, and I think – I think they are doing so much to hide him right yes. now, Ramon. And it, it's not Bortles, but it's no. Bortles-esque in the way that they're almost – and their running game is the best in the league, obviously. Yeah. It is as diverse a running attack as any in football right now, and that's an absolute tribute to Kevin Stefanski. And you're right. They've got, yes. shit, they've got shit kickers up front. They've got two of the best yep. running backs. They've got talent on the outside, even without yep. Odell. But I look at this and I'm saying, how much of this is out of necessity because your quarterback will put you in positions that you don't want to be in? I think that there's something off there with Baker Mayfield. He's a little predictable. I think he's a guy – you got to think, he was – he's an overachiever. I'm an overachiever. I got more out of my career than probably anybody else. I mean, it's a kudos to my hard work and, you know, circumstance and stuff like that. And I feel like that's what You know, but I'll say that because I was that guy too. He's finding a way to, guess what, stay inside my box. Don't ruffle the feathers. If I get a little excited and go outside the box and make a throw, guess what? I'm conditioned enough to be able to do those type of things. But you look at that O-line. Conklin is the highest paid right tackle. If not, he's top two, top three. 20 mil this year. So I'm saying a left tackle, that's a first rounder. They got J.C. Trader, who's one of the savviest highest paid centers in the league too. A right guard, left guard, dead. Like you said, their ass kick is up front. And then you got Jarvis Landry out there. They go and get Hooper. Think about what I'm saying here. You got Sheldon Richardson on the other side of the ball. You got Ojanova, who's a guy that's played a whole lot. Olivier Vernon on the other side of the ball. And then we ain't even mention Miles Garrett. If we're looking in the sense of talent, we start stacking this team up. Baker falls to, as far as the 22 starters, bottom third. Yeah. If we're being real. Oh, sure. On that team, he's, 
he's bottom third as far as talent, man. And I'm not saying this as a former Pittsburgh guy. I'm saying in the sense of like, let's be honest about what we got going on here. They've surrounded him. And then Stefanski, the coach, I heard somebody earlier say he's in, inserted a sense of calm over that organization. Or Baker, just be cool. I got you if you got me. Just don't do this. It seems be like cool. it's what that's just be, be cool. Let's cool. <laughs> <laughs> be real about it. That's all he got to do is be cool, dog. Like, I got you. Yeah. The whole, the whole, the whole matchup, I think bodes really well for them. And I, I did this, I did this the first time they played Indianapolis, Ramon. I did it on before Uh-oh. Thursday night football. I said, I, I don't ever make game predictions. I think it's the biggest waste of time of any of us who yell into microphones on a regular basis can do because <laughs> nobody has any idea. Nobody no. has any idea what's going to happen. It's just a fun thing to put a graphic graphic up on and then for us to get freezing cold taped afterwards. It's a waste of time. But I did it on Thursday Night Football. I said they were going to beat the Colts, and then the, the Bunner had the worst stretch of any special teamer in 10 minutes of all time, oh and they gosh. fell flat on their face. But again, I feel like what this team does well, to your point, what they do well, and even though it's similar to the Browns, right, what mm-hmm. travels is a rushing, a running game and defense. So you cannot count the Browns out. And obviously no. that, they don't get bothered by these close games that they get into, mm-hmm. floppy as they might be. But I feel good about what we're seeing the Tennessee Titans week by week build upon ever since Baltimore. And I know it's only been two games since, but the stuff that is there is substantial, and it's very much on brand for what has worked for them in years past. It is, man. And the beauty of this matchup, man, is you can compare one to the other. I take Tannehill over Baker, though, all day long. But in a sense of running backs, they got two for one, and Henry means two of them. And and what they're doing right now, the Titans, is, like you said, they're playing in their box. I said this. If this defense, the Titans defense, can show me just a little bit more, then that's when I'll say, okay, they're turning that curve. They're, they're rounding the horn the way they always do around this time of the year. Late November, December football is Titan time of the year. For the last three years, I feel like they've shown it, especially last year when Derrick Henry just became a man-child and just started doing everything that you thought he should be doing and watching them evolve, man, if that defense but can just start being, okay, let's cut off the stats. From here on out, you're ranked top 15. Heck, I can even give them all the way up to number 20. If you're, you're 20th in the league, I think the offense covers the rest of it because they're more than capable. And the guy that I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on board with on defense right now is Harold Landry. I think now with the subtraction of, you know, a Clowney going to IR, he's getting more reps. You know he's a talent. And seeing him get close to the quarterback last week, I don't care who was out, he's getting there. He did it the week before also. I think they can rally around him, give some some help to Big Jeff, and and watching T.R. Tart, which I asked Jeff about him a while ago, in a sense, like, what do you see in him? He said he's a big-body kid that's loving him and playing the game, and, He's got an attitude, and he's shown it, man. So if those guys, along with just uh, uh, just give me one or two, don't I don't want to hear the Adore thing and none of that stuff. The guys that's on the field right now, if they can do their job, I think this team can make a serious run again. What's more sour, Tier Tart or Ramon Foster's lemon trees growing in the garage? <laughs> I've been sitting on that uh, joke for three minutes. <laughs> three minutes. As soon as you my, said Tier Tart, I was thinking, Ramon, I was working it. I was working it in my head. I'm like, how can I make a lemon tree joke? 
<laughs> in, integrated into this show. And it was so corny, and I wouldn't take it back for a second. And you better not take it back, Buck, okay? <laughs> well, I'll tell you who's more salty is me having to wheel them out every other day when it's cold <laughs> so I can get some real sunlight. That's what's salty. Oh, God. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I need a couple limes. I, need, I, have, a, I, I have a Don Julio addiction I need to feed. <laughs> I got uh, to. We can sip on the 1942 at some point, but what, when things settle down, big man, you are uh, you're going to have an even harder time getting rid of me than you are <laughs> blowing up your uh, your Twitter mentions and your uh, your inbox. No doubt. On that on that side of the ball, though, and and we'll wrap things up talking about the defense. They're a lot better than they have <laughs> been playing previously, and the third down numbers against the Colts, good. Uh, yeah, Costanzo going out, I think, makes a big difference, and it doesn't doesn't matter who you're. It's your getting, problem. Doesn't matter yeah. who you're getting blocked by. If uh, if LaRaven Clark can't hold up against Harold Landry, then that's a Harold Landry game. Good for him. Yep. And that that was a huge difference. Phil got bothered, and he started making my faces, and it made me very happy because I got the I got a couple more for the arsenal. God bless <laughs> Philip Rivers. But as we move into this back stretch where you've got Cleveland, and then you travel to Jacksonville, and then you're back here for Detroit, Green Bay, and Houston at the end. Defensively, this sets up really well for them to be able to finish strong, assuming that their health holds up. And I was at practice yesterday. The mm-hmm. health of this team right now, given the guys who have already been put on season right. as they are, they're about as a good in a good as good a position as they have been all year long. If you are talking about Harold Landry as the guy that this defense rallies around, what else on that side of the ball outside of what we know to be known commodities? We know that Jeffrey Simmons is going to co- show up game mm-hmm. in and game out provided help. The secondary is playing much better. Malcolm Butler said yesterday they're allowed to be more aggressive putting it a little back on the coaching staff, but we all saw it when they're playing yeah. nine, nine yards off the ball because they don't want to get beat deep. Yeah. What outside of Harold Landry needs to elevate for this team to be in the top 20, as you said, to just help this offense get by? I would honestly got it. You got to point to the middle linebacker position. And I'll say it's either one or two guys or both because they seem to, to both be the green dots. That's Will Compton or David Long Jr. Like those two guys that side to side stopping the run game because your D tackles are taking up two guys or Harold Landry is getting the chip on the other side of the ball. Like that's where they got to see an improvement. Uh, both those guys in positions they weren't in at the beginning of the season. So guess what? Teams are going to try to start attacking that. It was good seeing David Long last weekend break up those passes when he was in coverage. That said a whole lot about him. Seems like a guy that brings a jolt to the defense. A Wesley Woodyard type is like, okay, you rally around him. And then you got Will, who's just a savvy guy that knows how to just make plays, man. So whichever one of those guys can sure up the front end, because that's what teams are going to try to attack them more than anywhere, is mixed matches between one or the other. And they've got to be able to do that. The game that sits on the docket for me is the Green Bay game and watching how those linebackers, because you know, like I know, Aaron Rodgers is a very savvy guy. He's going to try to try to find mixed matches here and there. The rush up front, if it can rattle them, seeing those guys, David Long or Will Compton, close in on him when necessary or stopping those balls across the middle because he finds ways to find outlets. I think the back end kind of handles themselves. Um, that's 
that's my my improvement area. If they they can make that front seven solid as can be, let them rush, tackle across the middle the way they need to, blitz when you have to and get home, they got a really good shot, like you said, being 20 or better um, when it comes to this, this playoff time of the year. Uh, I love that you gave Will Compton a little shine on there because he does – he is uh, – Shane Bone called him the ultimate pro, but I know That's damn well – He wasn't making a single play on that first drive when his ass got benched. They pulled him out of there so fast. Yeah. I hope that kept him up at night. And I love Will to death, and I've got to put a little evil on his name. Yeah. Here, uh, you know, we, we give the good yeah. with the bad. Ramon Foster could be the good cop. But uh, no, 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 Will, because I know he listens to this podcast. Uh, you're not you're – not, You're not getting away with everything, okay? What'd you say, Buck? You want to play bad cop, bad cop with him, huh? Uh-huh. We play bad cop, bad cop. No, somebody's got it. Somebody's got to do it, Ramon. It's a dirty job, but somebody's no got to. Just like somebody has to come on this podcast and carry my ass for at oh. least one episode a month, and I am grateful for Ramon Foster because I know you got a busy schedule, homie. Okay. You have – The radio show, 6 to 9 a.m., 104.5 The Zone. It's Jay Mart and Ramon, bangers only, uh, on 104.5. You can get the podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. I appreciate you, Ramon. Thanks for hanging no out. No doubt. Anytime, Buck. You got me. Music City Mailbag time here on the pod. You guys have submitted your questions in my DMs at Buck Rising on Instagram, R-E-I. S-I-N-G is where you hit me up. Before we get to the mailbag that we are going to cover, we got Matt Patricia talk about defensive coordinator. We got stuff on Dory Jackson and on Derrick Henry. I got to tell you about the people that present the Zoom line that our good buddy Ramon Foster joined us via. That is Tame the Beast and GetBeast.com. I hold before me, you can't see this, but I do hold before me, the Beast Body Lotion, that has green tea, guarana, and mountain tobacco. And I say to you that it is a very important time to moisturize your skin. It's incredibly cold out. The winter months are upon us. And nobody likes dry, itchy, flaky skin. You can't have it. You can't do it. And you can prevent it and save some cash using the promo code BEAST2020 at GetBeast.com. I don't just use the body lotion. I use the face lotion during the winter time as well. Nobody likes to see the dry skin around your nose or on your cheeks or on your forehead. You can prevent all that. And you can do your holiday shopping by putting together a beast box for the ones in your life that you love and you love them so much you want to keep them from having dry skin and grooming boldly and being a beast using that promo code BEAST2020 at GetBeast.com. So, Music City Mailbag. You guys know how this works, as we mentioned on the front end. Slide on in my DMs on Instagram, and we will hook it up. Here on the pod, we start the bidding with Trey, who is Trey0617, almost bot-like if there were a few more numbers at the end, but Trey writes in regardless. Hey, Buck, what would you think about Matt Patricia being hired as the Titans' defensive coordinator? He was a good one with New England. Vrabel's ties with the Patriots organization could be a cause for consideration if they reached out to him. He may have sucked as the Lions head coach, but this time as D.C., but his time as D.C. was pretty damn good. Any thoughts? Tighten up with a couple of sword emojis. All right. I got strong thoughts about Matt Patricia. Because not only do I think he got exposed in that Super Bowl, the last one that he coached 
as a part of the New England Patriots organization. And make no mistake, they did have good defenses while he was in New England. But what happened in that Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles, where Nick Foles absolutely put it on them, and Frank Reich's scheme put it on them, as a result, whom, by the way, you would see twice a year, and Frank Reich is very, very anxious, I'm sure, to get another shot at Matt Patricia's defenses, given what he's already done to them. It's because of an inability to adapt since then. And I had a couple people on me about this on Twitter, And then as I look at the Lions' defense since 2018, because remember he was hired as the head coach in Detroit the same year that Rabel was hired here in Tennessee, the Lions defensively in DVOA, 21st in 2018, 23rd in 2019, and at the time of his firing, after they got embarrassed on Thanksgiving, they are currently 25th in DVOA. They've given up tons of blown fourth-quarter leads, with him as the Lions head coach, and as we mentioned, Frank Reich exposed him. And what it comes down to is an ability to adapt his scheme to play anything other than a lot of man coverage. He was trying to apply scheme with insufficient personnel instead of doing what good coaches do and adapt the scheme to the personnel. On top of that, it is widely reported that the players in Detroit didn't like him very much, like he was kind of a dick. And so all of these things compound, and listen, it's not to say that another opportunity in a different environment may benefit Matt Patricia well, because he does have a track record of success prior to his failure in Detroit. But what I would say to you is I want somebody who, one, the players are going to want to play for, two, has shown the ability to not force players into their scheme, but rather coach the scheme around the players, and at this point, that's not Matt Patricia. What I would say to you about the defensive coordinator situation is, one, I very much think it's going to be Shane Bowen's job next year because this defense is getting better, and Mike Vrabel knows Shane Bowen. Mike Vrabel values scheme continuity, and I think that that's kind of what they're ramping Shane up to do. Also, if it's not going to be Shane Bowen, Vic Fangio is probably going to be back out there after this Broncos season comes to a close, and I would 10 times out of 10 rather have Vic Fangio, who has had success in several different spots as a career defensive coordinator who fits very much the bill of a Dick LeBeau, Bean Bean Peas, Dean Peas, who would apply his knowledge from across decades of coaching and football to what it is that the Tennessee Titans are trying to do. That would be, to me, a preferable option. But again, I believe it's going to be Shane Bowen at the end of the 2020 season and heading into 21. Thank you for your question, Trey. Next, we got Colton Charlton, and he wants to know when we can expect a Dory Jackson back. <laughs> oh, the curious case of a Dory Jackson continues. So I wrote about this today on a to ZSportsNashville.com. You can go check out the article after you listen to this podcast or while we talk to you because you have the ability to do so. This is uh, the lovely the lovely part about being, being the voice in your head is that you can do multiple things while I sit here and have a conversation with you. So Mike Rabel on Thursday was asked about a Dory Jackson and about what the hell happened, essentially. Now, that's not the way that Kaharski put it when he asked him the question. But Paul did ask him, you know, has there been any setbacks with a Dory 
to where they activated him on November the 11th. So that was heading into Pittsburgh. No, excuse me. That was not heading into the Pittsburgh Steelers game. He was designated to return in October before the Pittsburgh Steelers game on October 21st. And it was my understanding, in fact, I, from a source that I trust, and I'm not the only person who was told this, that Dory Jackson was expected to be activated before the Pittsburgh Steelers game. He was expected to play. And then all of a sudden, Dory Jackson was not at that Friday practice. He was ruled out on that Saturday, and no activation came. So today, Mike Vrabel's asked about any potential setbacks. This is the quote. No, I don't think there's necessarily been a setback. Dory's working his way back. He has good days, and he has bad days. And when he has bad days, he's not out there practicing. (sighs) Well, so they've activated him since then. He's been activated since November 11th. And I wonder, Colton, how many times you think Adoree Jackson has practiced since November 11th? Uh, Has it been three? Has it been four? They had a short week in there against the Indianapolis Colts. In fact, that was the week that he did get activated, that Wednesday before. Thursday night football against the Colts, and it was at the expiration of the 21-day window that the Titans had to activate him by or he would be shut down for the year. And so, Colton, while you've been guessing how many times the Dory Jackson has practiced since November 11th, I'm here to tell you it hadn't been a single solitary time. There has not been one day since November 11th out of any of the days that the Tennessee Titans have held a conventional practice. That Dory Jackson has been on that practice field. That includes this Wednesday and this Thursday. Many of you will hear this on Friday. I don't anticipate him being out there. I don't anticipate him playing against Cleveland. I have no earthly idea when we're going to see a Dory Jackson. And I wish I had better answers for you, but I went through, through every injury report since the time that he got activated to see if there's been a day where he's even been limited. And no, no, no. Uh, so to Mike's point... If there's no setback, and he has good days and bad days, and when he has bad days he's not out there practicing, then every day since November 11th has been a bad day. And how the hell that's possible if there's not been a setback, you tell me. Here on the 615 Sessions. But thank you, Colton, for your question, as always. Mike is up next. Mike Kamsies, I think is how you pronounce it, 95. I don't know. He sends me a ton of stuff on the DMs, and that's fine. I appreciate Mike's participation, even though there's a bunch of numbers that he sent me that I'm going to have to go through tomorrow. To appease the people, hey, Buck, he writes, I got a mailbag question for you. As Titans fans, do we have a right to be annoyed or pissed about how the NFL has handled the rest of the COVID outbreaks in the league? The Ravens and the Pats being the other examples. Pats getting a game move back a day to get Newton and Gilmore back. Ravens getting another day based on the idea of muscle tweaks and getting their game next week moved back. So, I mean, I'm not. If you want to be pissed, I'm not going to tell you that you can't be pissed about it, Mike. That's uh, that's up to you. I just, I don't think any, I don't think any of these situations are comparable. Like there are similarities, but like what's happened with the Ravens is a strength and conditioning coach knowingly broke the protocol that caused this outbreak. It's similar to a situation in Denver where one of the quarterbacks tested positive. They had a film session together, the quarterbacks did, in a room eating together, in a room that they shouldn't have been eating together in, without the masks. And all of this created a problem to where the Broncos played the Saints without an actual quarterback 
and bless, uh, is it Kendall Hinton, I think is his name, the practice squad wide receiver that was forced into service in that particular regard. Last Sunday, you can be pissed if you want. I'll say that there is no blueprint, there is no precedent for this stuff, and the Titans were the first ones to go through it. Now, what you can be pissed about is there's not a lot of noise from people like Mike Florio and Doug Farrar, Mike Florio who said there was going to be a $10 million fines, or who was hearing and said publicly that he was hearing $10 million fines and loss of draft capital and suspensions for John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, and on and on and on it goes. And none of it happened except a $350,000 fine, which is pennies in retrospect and, and relatively pennies to an NFL owner. Fines will happen, as they have with the Raiders and the Saints and other teams who have been negligent in the COVID protocols and the wearing of masks in the locker room, so forth and so on. But why these situations have been handled differently is because the NFL has had to take them on a case-by-case basis. So you can be pissed about the lack of noise trying to cancel other NFL franchises like was happening to the Titans, which I thought was completely and utterly outrageous. And Doug Farrar seems to be a hugely rational and reasonable individual in any other dealings except this one, when he said outright that the Titans should can- should have their 2020 season canceled when all of this happened in, what was that, early October, late September, when the NFL's first outbreak here in Tennessee began. So, yes and no to a degree. You're allowed to be pissed. You're allowed to feel whatever the hell you want. But whether it's fair or unfair, fairness doesn't matter. They're just trying to get these games played. And for whatever reason, they don't want to do a bubble for the playoffs. Mike, uh, or not Mike, uh, Roger Goodell said that on half to, or during the halftime show with Mike Tirico on NBC of that Wednesday afternoon football game between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. He said they would consider further isolation situations, but... As far as a bubble goes, there was no mention of just an outright playoff bubble like in the NBA or like you have seen in the NHL, two bubble cities. Maybe the situation gets bad enough, and unfortunately it is getting worse, so they may have to put those precautions into place. But at this time, you can only be mad at so much because you're playing in the middle of a global pandemic. What the hell do you think is going to happen? Like people aren't going to get sick? I mean... You guys know I had COVID. Like, anybody can get COVID. I am, I am as, as, as bound to my house as anybody is. I don't like to leave my home. I didn't like to leave my home before COVID. And I don't like people that much either. Six to ten feet the hell away from me. It's, anybody can get this thing if, uh, if the situation is right. And so now we find ourselves in this mutated NFL season where you got Wednesday afternoon football, but no Thursday night football, and just continued manipulations of the schedule to make sure that everybody gets paid. And that works for me, I guess, to a degree, because without that, I don't get paid. Without that, I'm not here. Without that, there's no podcast, damn sure. But there is a podcast for now, and we have completed another week of podcasts together, and I greatly appreciate your participation, your mailbag questions, each week, each Thursday on the Music City Mailbag. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. We'll have many more good conversations. I know Chad Withrow is going to be a part of the pod on Tuesday. Diana Rossini, we had to manipulate the schedule a little bit. She didn't want to crowd Ramon Foster, so she is going to be on next Thursday, our friend Diana. And we will have many good conversations about the Titans and the Vols and all things happening here in the 615 
as is the custom. Support the people who support this show. That's Two Rivers Ford and Tame the Beast. And as always, you got to stay safe. More than ever, you got to stay clean and you got to stay hot, Nashville, because it's getting cold as hell outside. This has been the award winning 615 Sessions podcast that's powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. <laughs>